Up and Adam in the morning lives here. You're home for Up and Adam in the morning. It is the Crush 92.5. Adam Montiel in studio. Even early. He's even early. Uh, the Godfather himself, Gary Eberly. What is up, my man? How are you? How you doing? Not too bad. I don't like this hour. I know. You are not a morning person. No, I am not. And I, I don't think there's ever been an hour of the day where um, you've been offered a glass of wine. Your wine, nonetheless. And you say no. You're like, nah, it's a little early. I'm like, yeah. what? I what are you even saying it's nice, a little early? I haven't even had my second cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can help you with that if you need that, too. Uh, Chris Eberly, winemaker in studio. What is up, my man? How are you? Good, good. How you doing? Good. Is this early for you, or are you a morning person? We no, have little kids. We, we, we start at work at 7. I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm just here to show for this guy around. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, uh, what is going on of late in the cellar and stuff? What are you getting into? Uh, just finishing up big blends, getting ready to, uh, you know, gearing up for harvest and um, trying to get a little vacation in before it all hits the fan. Yeah. Coming down, he said, you know, I, I personally washed 110 barrels yesterday. And, man, I'm hurting. And I said, you just wait. It's just starting. Yeah. Huh? It's a good hurt. Yeah. It's a good hurt. <laughs> what, is the, uh, what is the window from, like, right now into harvest for vacation? Like, a little bit, like, late August, kind of early september type thing or even earlier than that like when when do you try and sneak out and do a little vacay i would say july is pretty good okay. toward the end of july usually try to get out of here when the fair is here yeah right yeah um so i won't see you during the fair much then I'll, I'll be there oh i'll you? be there yeah, yeah. I, again i got a show for him around yeah well we're gonna we, what i love about the fair is um we love, we love to come by and hang out see gary yeah catch up and see you guys over there and stuff so it's so much fun um this is a new wine. Look at this. Chris brought in the brand new Eberly Reserve Chardonnay. This is a uh, 21, like, black label. What is going on here? Sexy, first, right? Super yeah, sexy. First Reserve Chardonnay we've ever made. Yeah. And uh, you all, you make a Chardonnay every year, but what? This, this The grapes were just really singing this year, what? Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, like, around set, you know, you just kind of, I mean, you're always monitoring the vineyard and checking things out, but... You know, as we were going through ripening, I was like, man, this looks really good. And so there's a certain part of the vineyard where I thought, man, this could possibly make a reserve. And so I just kept that, you know, um, mindset and um, treated it like a reserve wine and ended up making a pretty fantastic wine. Because an Eberly, like, long-standing tradition is we're not going to say a reserve happens every year. Just re forever. You like Some years have a reserve, some years don't. Yeah, well, for a long time, when I first started, I only even considered doing reserve Cabernets. And uh, I said, you know, we never made less than four reserves in any decade and never made more than five. Did we, he have to sell you on it? Uh, no, that was just, uh, you know, I, I, I see years like 88 and, you know, some of the really 79 bad years. Yeah. And the, to, to make a reserve, and there, there are wineries that make a reserve in bad years. And they say, well, what's the best of that year, well, the year is really crap. Yeah, <laughs> we, 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 for us to make a reserve, it has to be something really special. Yeah, something um, we're proud of. What's like the program behind this Chardonnay? Uh, so it's about fifty percent new oak. I used a mix of German oak, which was new for me. Um, I used French oak as well, so twenty-five, twenty-five total, fifty percent new, and um, yeah, so about eight months in barrel. So it's about two months longer than our normal whites. A lot of lee stirring, um, you know, try to fatten up the palate a bit. Mm -hmm. Get that uh, mouthfeel. 50% malolactic, so, um, 
you know, I, I think it appeals to most people because it's got the oak, it's got the mallow, but it's still, um, you know, it's got the acid and good backbone. What does German oak provide? I have never heard of German oak. I've never certainly never tasted a lot of German oak. What did you? What were you kind of learning about? You were learning about it also. Uh, I you guess know, you are learning about it. It's still kind yeah, of yeah. It's um. It's not that far from French. I mean, the, the forest we get it from is like right across the river from Vosges. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's you know, pretty damn close. Yeah, Same right, species, right. but a little colder. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, in fact, I, you know, the, the stuff that I remember from uh, uh, when I was at Davis, we were doing different oaks. And the German oaks, they said, were closer to an American white oak than, than to the more things like Limousin and Trancay, the, the warmer uh, forests in, in France. Have you tried this one yet? Have you tried the Reserve Shard? Yeah, I tried. I had a couple of red wine stains on my shirt and I used it to <laughs> get it out. <laughs> that's what the Everly wine. That's got to hurt because you, you, were, I mean, you were so good at making, I mean, wine, period. But your whites, I love. I mean, shoot, your rose, we're just talking off here about how you just won a, an award for your rose. But like when you first came in, the first award you ever won for Eberly in 15, I want to say, was for your rose. The, the, when you, you totally took the Eberly rose and flipped it up on its head and, and then won awards with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the style of Gary's rose, you know, we've, we've talked about yes. this is, you know, it was made from just Syrah, which is fine. Yeah. And, but it was made in a heavier, darker style. Yeah, like a Tavel. Which, kinda. you know, is a I style. Wanted <laughs> I wanted my rosé to be able to stain a white tablecloth. Yeah, right. Well, it's funny because when you talk to folks with rosé and that really like deep colored rosé, more often than not, especially the years as I've done the show and they'll like when you're off the air, they'll just kind of like break it to you. They'll say something like, uh, yeah, my assistant let this do this or like, you know, right. something went a little bit, <laughs> yeah. you know, something skewed a little bit off where they didn't really, they weren't dying for that color. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. We, we, um, you know, back when he was making them, I think most of yours was Sonye, I want to say. Yeah. So Absolutely. the Grenache portion, which is over 80% of the wine, is, you know, the fruits picked for rosé. It's grown for rosé. Picked earlier. Um, and then the, the Syrah portion is is Sonye, and then I top it with Viognier to give it some floral characteristics. Um, so, I mean, it's quite complex. I kind of use all the different fermentation styles and, and techniques, and yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty cool. Um, you recently turned 40. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I want to say happy birthday. That's pretty cool. It's exciting. No, sorry. <laughs> what kind of what, what kind of fun stuff do you open on when you have a big birthday like that? Uh, well, let's see. <clears throat> for my fortieth, oh, do you go into do you go into Gary's cellar and start opening? Oh yeah. No, you know, for my birthday, he opened up a bottle of Matus. Nice. <laughs> it was only forty years old. It was it was tasty, you know. Um, let's see. I opened up. A, I worked at Chateau Angelus, so I opened up one of those. I only had two bottles from them. So wow. I, I think it was an '08. That was really good. Mm -hmm. um, some Margaret River wines were my wife's from. Uh, what else did we open? I don't know. Just yeah, stuff. The, the, yeah, it's fun to have those occasions because it almost feels like like sometimes I'll like go in the cellar and look for a wine and I'll often get told no. She's like, no, we're not opening <laughs> that right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then every once in a while you can just kind of like sell the fact, hey, it's a it's a blank day or it's a da 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 da. And let's open one up. You know, yeah, so. you can always think of an occasion. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. some sort of day. But we did. We had a dinner at Gary's house uh, two weekends ago. Yeah, uh, catered by Chef Justin Munson, who's amazing. And uh, we had an 82 uh, Chateau Ikem with the dessert. That was oh, so good. Nice. So good. Yeah. And um, that was all. It was wonderful. Are you still letting Chris go down there every Wednesday and you're doing your Wine Wednesdays? Or wine Wednesday, yeah. It yeah. Is, and 
every now and then we'll get, particularly in the summer, we'll get not many people show up, so we don't do a full on wine Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Or we may do some just contemporary wines from other wineries. But uh, normally it's uh, five, six bottles of uh, wine out of the cellar. Have you thought of what you want to do for tomorrow? Do you think of it pretty, or is it just like Wednesday rolls around, you're like, I'm just going to go down there and look? I used to have themes, you know, like, oh, we'll do a certain vintage, or we'll do a country, or something like that. But uh, I found if I could just go down there and choose at random, we I have much better luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are some wines in that cellar that have died and rotted some time ago. Yeah. But well, there's a lot of really neat wines. Oh, heck yeah. That's the personal He's got cellar. a good collection of ports and fortifies and Pedro mm-hmm. Jimenez. Um, and a good collection of Bordeaux. Yeah, I just uh, learned about Pedro Jimenez mm-hmm. uh, recently. I was um, you never hear someone say this, but we spent a a long weekend in Cuyama, in New Cuyama. You know where that is? It's right. Yeah. Be- it's right between the coast and the I five. It's yeah. the high desert. You normally you drive through it, uh-huh. and now they have like this um, old motor lodge from the fifties. Like this mid-century motor lodger, they've kind of like souped up, made chic and kind of sexy, and nice. now couples come from L.A. like like the cool couples, like with like tattoos all over them and stuff, or they're like trendy and stuff. It's pretty hipsters, it's, yeah, hipsters. total hipsters, yeah, yeah. total cool spot. And um, anyways, one of the we went to this place called Condor's Hope. He was an agroecology professor from Northern California somewhere. I can't remember the school. And now he and his wife they live off the grid. And they grow everything from Zin. He's an old um, uh, Benito Ducey um, protege. Mm-hmm. Learned about the spacing. Learned about the stuff. Totally loves the Central Coast wines and the whole Ducey story. Grows Zin. Grows amazing olives and olive oil all off the grid. And then he has this Pedro Jimenez. And I was like, whoa, I've never tried it before. It was really, really interesting. Yeah. No, it's um, it's the grape they use to make sherry. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you don't see it much around here and through California, but... Mm-hmm. I made a bit of it in um, the Swan Valley in, in Australia, and uh, and make some good stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's a white, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big, giant clusters. Big, berries. right? Yeah, you said they're like they'll take massive, your whole arm. Massive. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, we got Gary Eberly. We got Chris Eberly here. Uh, we're going to come back talk about them uh, hanging out with us at the California Midstay Fair. Uh, how was your? Before I go for a second, how was your dying in the vines dinner? Oh, it was spectacular. The best one we've done yet. Yeah. And the girls really did a good good job on decorating with the, with the uh, all the little twinkle lights and then some overhead mm-hmm. decorative lights too. And well, that's a great idea of a magazine when you see like those big long tables in the middle of vineyards yeah. and to do things like that. That's really cool. That yeah, was com- completely sold out. Yeah. Yeah. The only downside of it is because of you know it's in, out in the vineyard. Yeah. And just getting to the food out and getting it served properly and everything. Right. It can. Be a bit of a problem. Where, where in the vineyards do you do it? Like right by your crib or what? Uh, no, down in the... Um, the Muscat. Uh, the Muscat. Oh, okay. Right outside the caves. The cave entrance. Oh, okay, got it, yeah. got it, got it. Cool. Yeah, the, the one down, because they bring the food, you know, down to the caves and they walk out. Oh, and, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, cool. I love it. We're going to talk to uh, Gary Everly, Chris Everly. They're coming to the California Mid-State Fair uh, with Jeremy and I, the Cork Dorks. We'll be broadcasting live every single day can't wait it's going to be like africa hot but we're going to have friends like chris and gary there so we can't wait for it we'll continue with them next it's up and adam in the morning you're up and adam in the morning thanks for being up and adam in the morning it's the crush 92.5 my name is adam Montiel in studio eberly winery gary eberly is here gary good morning thank you for waking up for me Oh, i wake up early i just don't move early yes yeah. what time are you out and about at the winery 
Typically between 11, uh, 10.30 and 11. And since you told I me... I get up at 6. And since you told me 9.15 was too early for a little glass of white, when will you uh, have your first glass of wine during the day? Uh, the, when I come in the door, I go over and I get a bottle of Viognier mm-hmm. and a glass, pick up five Advil or in some days six Advil, mm-hmm. go back to my office, have a glass of Viognier with uh, the Advil and... Give my dogs a couple of dog treats and then start the day. So, and is disclaimer: it a- I would not follow that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that regiment is clearly yeah, not for everybody. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> and what is it? Because your knees? Is that why you're five Advil? Yeah. I uh, don't they say that's not good for your your stomach? I've, All the ibuprofen. I've been doing this. Jeremy does it too. Jeremy pops Advil. I mean, he makes five look like nothing. I mean, he's straight like. Amy Winehouse and Adam all the time. It's crazy. He has it in a Peds dispenser. So far, it doesn't. Ha- so far, it hasn't. I mean, I mean, several doctors have said to me, hey, "You are you're pushing," but I, I, you know, yeah. I do uh, every three years. I do an endoscopy for Barrett's syndrome and esophagus, yeah. and they look at your stomach and they see anything? No, no, not even anything that would look like it might turn into an ulcer. He's like Keith Richards. You're right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's pretty rad. But cuter. Yes. So, so the a few Advil, a Bolivinier, and then what are we doing? Are we going through mail? Are we going through emails? Are we doing all our forwarded mails? Emails. Well, you get you know I get all a your lot emails. of them. And, yeah. uh, a lot of forwarding. Yeah. Yes, I do a lot a of forwarding. Lot of forwarding. And then uh, I'm also uh, writing things, communicating with some of the distributors. Yeah. And other people, push a few things down to Chris. But uh, I read a lot about uh, you know different wine writers. What they what's uh, okay. So you kind of like hit the trades a little bit, kind yeah. of read and see what's going on, and and then noon one, to one o'clock. I'd say typically one o'clock. I'm are we eating at the house? Or are we eating when we get to the winery? Oh no, this is the, at the winery. Okay, cool. Um, one one thirty. I uh, go out into what I call the Mondavi chair, you know, the mm-hmm. chair out front with the the, the table. Uh-huh. And with uh, with a bottle of Cabernet, and I sit there and just talk to people. I spend the whole afternoon just chit chatting. Yeah. Oh, when, uh, we came out to visit you a week or so ago, and oh my gosh, the people—it's just like one after the other. After we can't even get in a deep conversation because you're just going to keep getting like, "Oh, Gary, this guy," and they're so happy to see you. They're so just like, "Oh my gosh, I just got to tell you." Oh my God, Chris, you're gonna love this story. Uh, Chris Everly is here. Thank you for being here, Chris. We always get to see you, and so I, I love it when I do. Um, this like really hot gal comes up to Gary, and she, you know, beautiful couple. This beautiful woman before her husband comes up. This beautiful woman is talking to Gary, and he goes, "Have you seen my basement? You gotta go see my basement." And I'm like. Gary, call it a cave. <laughs> and, and Audrey's like, Lady Fancy's like, no, yep, Gary, we might not need it. We don't need to call it the basement. <laughs> yeah, we've, over the years, we've slowly brought him to, you know, we've, we were teaching him how to be PC. Yeah, yeah, right. I just love it. But yeah, you got these beautiful caves. Were you the first ones to do caves in oh, Paso? Yeah. We, were, we were the first caves south of the Bay of, of, of San Francisco for. Uh, 20 years, yeah. even no longer than that, yeah. And then who came in after you? Would it be like Stefan? No, uh, Justin. Justin. Justin, okay, Justin sure. did the cave. It's separate from the winery. Itself. Yeah, that's like on the other... Yeah, you got to drive out around. And... Right, yeah. That's kind of neat. Are that's those caves, though? Yeah, I guess they are kind of yeah, caves, right? Yeah. They are. And then Stefan did a small one, and the halter is the only oh. other one that is sort of our size. 
Yeah, Halter's, Halter's, Halter's got a yeah, that's a square foot. And it's, it's a, but you know, I, I was just I was just thinking when you you said about this this wife that came up, yeah, really good looking. Yeah. One of the things I've learned over the last three or four years, sitting out front, particularly in the summertime, and we get—I mean, there's a lot of really attractive women. But uh, although I still don't understand the tattoo thing, yeah. But I've come to realize that uh, yoga pants are a privilege, not a right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You want to see my basement? <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, yeah, and also, when you're down there, see if you can, you know, we've, we've lost our pet snake. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you see this, let us know, or if you just hear it rattle. What is, um, what are your thoughts of the fair? You like the fair? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I first came to Paso in 73, I mean, the fair was something you just, I mean, it was the highlight of the year. Uh, you know, at the, my age now, uh I'm going to go down on Friday night and see John Fogarty. Are you, do you still do you still do a table there every year? Yeah, we we uh, there's a group of us that has three tables. Cool tables one, two, and ten right up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always and, see uh, you. I always sit down with I you love for John Fogarty. Uh -huh. I mean, it was funny when first time I heard him, I was down in Louisiana. Down, in, uh, I think I was in New Orleans by that time at Charity Hospital, and I heard him, and I'm going, man, there's there's one of those guys. He must be from Homa or Thibodeau or. You know, Morgan City, you know, he's a, one of the good Cajun boys. And, mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. And they find out he's from Winters in California, <laughs> 10 miles north of Davis. Oh, no way. Yeah, I'm going, what? That can't be. Yeah. Because, you know, all those songs he does. All Credence and oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know that. That's so interesting. That's the one intro that I'm doing for the fair. So I'll be there that night and, okay, I'll know. bring my police shooter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your blow dart gun. Uh, yeah, it's always fun to see you uh, at the table. And who, who are your cronies that you all get, gather with there? All your uh, friends? Geez, uh, uh, Vicky Silva, the Davises. Uh, I mean, it's just a whole group of people. Oh, you. Uh, that over the years. Troublemakers. Vicky Silva really is the one that organizes it. She puts it together. Yeah. And we, you know, we picnic. We drink some wine. We listen to the music. I used to get up and dance. Mm -hmm. Now I'm lucky to get up. <laughs> um, Chris Eberly is here as well We got this uh, brand new Chardonnay A reserve Chardonnay A 21 super sexy black label And uh, a little bit of German oak in it 50% new oak A little German oak, a little French oak Super cool And then of course uh, one of the faves The Cote de Robles Blanc This is a Roussan heavy blend I love Roussan Isn't Roussan such a fun wine to, to blend with and make with? Yeah, it's, no, it's a cool wine It's um <clears throat> You know, you got to find the right clone around in, in Paso, but it it uh, tends to sunburn pretty easily. You know, oh, it right? does this thing where it kind of like tries to push out the the seed, so it has really? scarring sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you got to be you got to be careful with with Roussan, especially with you know, depending on the clone that you're working. Is with. it because the pressure inside, or what's going on? Why is the seed popping out? Uh, I'm not really sure. I've I've asked growers. I've even, even asked this guy, and and there nobody nobody well, knows. I'm sure those, someone knows, but just, yeah, but it's just one of those weird things. Well, you know, we used to make a varietal Roussan for about four years. Oh. Not, you know, a lot, but maybe four or five hundred cases. In fact, I had uh, Howie Steinbeck, our vineyard manager and mm -hmm. partner, uh, graft some vines over because I wanted the Roussan. And I said, I'll buy them every year. Go ahead and, you know, do it. And then we were selling it. And in the tasting room, we would have the Roussan and the Viognier side by side, one after the other. 
and people would buy 10 bottles of Viennier and one bottle of Roussan because the fruit and that floral nose, that uh, stone fruit nose, everybody wanted the Viennier. And yeah. it got to the point of going, I can't afford to make a straight Roussan anymore. And that's where we came up with this blend. Yeah. It's almost not fair to taste them next to each other. They're both similar in the sense where they have weight. They have a lot of this mouthfeel, this complexity. But, man, I love uh There's nothing like a good Roussan to me. Wow. The mouthfeel and the nose of the Viennier, I'm sorry. I know. I mean, you're in your Viennier. I mean, I told you the story. Yeah. We did a show, Jeremy and I, up in Anderson Valley, and the dude was getting married, Pasteric. And he was doing a, his, he was getting married, and he was serving all his wines there at his wedding. And, um, and his, him and his, his wife loves Viennier, and they looked all over California for the Viennier that they were going to serve at their wedding, and it ended up being Eberly. Nice. That's pretty cool. That's a really cool story. Um, you like hanging out with the cork trucks at the fair, Gary? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it, uh, uh, you always have, uh, interesting people popping in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to, it's late in the afternoon, we get to, uh, partake of a wine or two. Or two. I think I've had, yeah, two glasses there once. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Three <laughs> hours, Adam. I know. Three hours. And you're coming this year, right? You were there last year? Uh, I don't know. No, or, I don't think no, so. No, yeah. Last year, no. But you're coming this year right here? Yep. <laughs> three hours. I know it's three, three hours. hours. You'll be fine. Why should he get away with not having to do anything? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you could say, "Hey, I need you there." Um, what's cool about the fair last year? We got so much good feedback on our conversation, Gary, because we ended up getting into, I think, everything in one way or another. I mean, we're talking about you know snakes in Mexico research things. We're talking. We just got into everything. It was so good. People love that. We got so much good feedback from that yeah. one. Well, you know, I make that all that up. Yeah, yeah in the, on the spot. Yeah, it Obviously. sounds good. So it, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned Howie Steinbeck, and I know that you've had a big relationship with him for a long time. Uh, for the podcast, I interviewed uh, his daughter, Cindy. So, yeah, Cindy Steinbeck. She was really cool. I really liked her. And um, for a while, he didn't want to do a, a brand. He didn't want to have a wine with his name on it. Yeah. And it took her to kind of like. You know, hey, I, let's let's do this. And for him, I just think he was always comfortable with what he was doing with you, and what mm-hmm. he didn't really need anything else. Well, you know, I mean, Howie is. Uh, I, I've I've known Howie since uh, probably met him for the first time in late '72, uh, but certainly from when I moved to Paso in '73, I have always worked with Howie. Uh, initially, maybe butting heads a little because uh, we were so new and. Growing grapes when everybody around you is growing grain and they're using uh, 2,4-D as a uh, herbicide and the 2,4-D would drift and it would knock the vines right down. Oh, man. So, uh, but, but now, you know, he's my partner in the winery. Uh, he's our vineyard manager and he is, he and his wife this year are the king and queen of uh, a pioneer day. Cool. So, uh, they'll be, uh, you know, both of their families, in fact, Bev's family has been here longer than Howie's, and Howie's been here since forever, the, uh, over a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you listen to like when we hear, when we hear words like Geneseo and things like that. That was literally made named after the town they came from, right? Yeah, yeah. In where, like Ohio or something, or where? Was it? Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. yeah, right. Something like that. And uh, just been here for absolutely ever. That's so so neat. Some of the history that we got here. Well, now Ryan, his grandson is. Managing our vineyard. And oh, is that right? Yeah. So it's just you know, it's a family. Yeah, family affair. And you know, I mean, Howie, you know, you, you talk about all these people that you know work, you know, with uh, chemicals now that we are much more aware of. Mm-hmm. And he and I should both have been dead twenty years ago. I mean, 
we breathed in so much Paraquat and Roundup and 248. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, he's like spreading Agent Orange, not yeah. wearing a mask. <laughs> it's like, what were you thinking? You'd come in at lunchtime and you would literally be orange because, you know, going down one row, the wind was blowing, you know, behind you. But you turn to come up the next row and the wind is coming in your face yeah. and the sprayers are out in front. What, when did... When was the conversation, or at least the conversation that you started listening in on, to be like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be growing the grapes like this. Maybe it'd be best if when we let's not do this anymore. Oh boy, it was. Um, well, I talked Howie into planting a vineyard for me when he was right. At, he was on the cusp because he's always been a farmer and he's never grown grapes. But uh, when I was getting ready to start Everly and I broke away, uh, I called Howie and I said, Howie. Because uh, I'm I'm not going to have access to the Estrella fruit anymore. Mm -hmm. on. And I said, I need you to plant some grapes, and I will buy them. And here's what I want you to plant. And and now he has, geez, I don't know, hundreds of acres of grapes. Yeah. yeah. Who did you start Estrella with? Uh, well, I had uh, a bunch of doctors from back in Pennsylvania, including my oldest brother, half-brother, Jim, who was, 25 years older than me but they were they wanted to do cattle and i wanted to do wine and i really didn't know them that much i never spent that much time with them and but i eventually got along with jack foot who was a farm advisor down here said okay well you do your cattle but let's plant some grapes it's a coming thing and uh, that was really how it started and then when we uh, how did you know it was a coming thing like when we saw what kind of what like you know, HMR was doing, or like, well, who, who was kind of the folks that you were looking at at the time? They're like, yeah, this, this could catch on even more than what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Well, when I started it, I mean, there was, when I came down, there was no HMR. We're talking, well, cause that was what, late sixties, mid, late sixties? Uh, no, the HMR started in, uh, they were bonded, I believe in 76. When oh, you, okay. One year before we were, but there was just York. Okay. York Presenti and Roto. Those were the only wineries in Paso at that time. Right. And now there's, Oh yeah, I don't. In fact, I don't even know. I, I say there's about 250 or 60 bonded, and another 50 virtual. And York was the first yeah. one, right? Yeah. And then what came next, Rhoda or Pizzenti? Uh, Pizzenti, and then and at the time, Pizzenti was the only winery in the county that sold grapes or sold wine outside of the county of San Luis, and they were selling to the Basque restaurants over in uh, uh, Bakersfield. Oh, okay. But, I, mean, it, I mean, they were really small wineries. Rhoda was, uh, I mean, people would come up and literally with their own jug. Right. And get wine, fill the jug up. And um, Vicente was, uh, York Mountain was really tiny. Max Goldman had bought it at that time. And uh, their production was maybe 2,000 cases, and they were selling it essentially at the tasting room. And then was this kind of, was it catching on locally to come do this, or were people actually coming, like, driving through town and going, oh, yeah, they got wine up there, let's go through? Or was no, a lot of just local no, love? No, they, uh, people didn't start coming to Paso until we had a sort of a uh, 15, 18, even 20 wineries mm -hmm. where uh, you had to sort of a minimum number before people started recognizing it. But even more importantly, you had to get out and tell people. I mean, I remember going out, even in California, and say, hey, this wine's made in Paso Robles. And they say, is that Texas? Yeah. 
And this is what the eight, by then this is the the eighties. By the time we have a dozen, fifteen, yep. sixteen, seventeen, we're talking like eighties, late eighties, early eighties. Yeah. Okay, cool. And at that point, early eighties, we're talking like, I mean, like Tobias, Justin, um, uh, Beachy Canyon, Beachy Canyon, Creston uh, uh, Manor, okay, Rick Roberts, up right, 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 worked under horrible conditions and made mm. spectacular wines. Out. Really, yeah. And uh, of course, then Toby broke off, uh -huh. started his place. And uh, uh, Art Norman and Art Norman, sure. Yeah. And now, now we're talking like late eighties, early nineties. Uh, yeah, even, yeah, early nineties. Yeah, yeah. That's and so I, interesting. I used to buy uh, before Art had. I mean, he he did a vineyard before he did a winery. Mm -hmm. He's in some uh, of the oldest cab up there. Yeah, right. Some of the and, oldest cab in Barbera, the county. I think. That's for, uh, I had twelve acres of Barbera at Estrella, and then uh, I helped him plant. I think it was about four and a half acres of Barbera over there on Willow Creek Road. And for years, that was my source of Barbera. What, was there any thought then as to like, and I know we don't have to go down the whole like 11 AVAs, East West thing, but like, were, was there thought then when there wasn't that much planted around here? Like, oh, we're, we're, we're planted out here where Astray is. Now look at us. We're, we're going significantly, you know, 15, 20 minutes away this direction where it, it, it's topographically a little different. And were there any thoughts like, oh, I wonder how these are going to grow here or, oh, uh, you know, in all honesty, uh, are thinking of aspect and all these kinds of things? Yeah, you know, I mean, I made, you know, I mean, I, you know, at Davis, I, you know, my minor was viticulture, my major in knowledge, but uh, I knew pretty much what was going to do well and what wasn't going to do well. Mm -hmm. I made a couple of mistakes. Shannon Blanc was one of them. I screwed that one up pretty good. Well, because you planted it, and then a lot of people, they, they took it out, put Chardonnay in, and now Shannon Blanc, it's like, I wish there was more of it here. Uh -huh. I don't know. You don't think so? I boy, I tell you, I had I can tell some bad stories. I, this is it's not a grape I want to grow in Paso. Yeah, but you know, but now you know, I'm, you know, the, the, there was always this east side west side thing, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the west side is so much prettier. I mean, it is just it is prettier over there. But the grapes, I mean, there's not enough grapes on the on the west side of 101 to produce. I'd say what a third of the wine that's coming out of there, the, the grapes. The vineyards, everybody's over on the east side. That's where the fruit is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just not as pretty. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've got great views. That's true. Looking it's, to the west side. <laughs> <laughs> great views looking yeah. west. I love it. Uh, the California Mid-State Fair is coming up. Can you believe it begins tomorrow? Uh, all right, I'm leaving town. Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe me too. No, <laughs> We'll be broadcasting live every single day there. Every day for three hours? Uh, yeah, from three, wow. from four to seven every day. And that last hour, we'll get on stage at Mission Square, yeah. and uh, so we'll do that last time. you this show, and then you're going to go up there. Yeah, but I'm probably going to do the morning show from up there. We're gonna, I'm going to bring my equipment and kind of do the show remotely, just so I can live up in the North County and be close. Yeah, because doing that drive every day is... Yeah. You got a place to stay? Uh, yeah, we're going to stay at Ventu no. for the first few nights. Ventu's got a beautiful place there. they got some great accommodations. Mm. And then... Um, and it's just a zip through. I can zip on to, you know, to Las Tabas Road. I'll stop by Amy and Jamie's place, get some food, hang out, get right on the freeway, then you're here in five minutes, the fair. And then um, for the first weekend, there was a little space where they didn't have the availability. So we're going to stay at these cool cabins uh, in the Willow Creek area. There's like these cabins that are pretty. at Hoyt Family Vineyards. Yeah, it's going to be pretty neat. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm buying a little bit of Pinot Noir from that vineyard. Really? Yeah, just a spike, Gary. 
Yeah, yo, bro. <laughs> Man has no class. It's just a little bit. For for Eberly or for you? No, for Eberly. Oh, really? Yeah. You guys are going to yeah. do a Pinot? Well, I don't know if it'll be a, a straight Pinot. I mean, it'll probably go into a blend, but, you know. What do you blend the Pinot with? I, I don't know. Actually, uh, we made some uh, from that vineyard from last year, and it went great with Zinfandel. Really? Yeah. I think, like a little splash in the Zin was, was good. Oh, wow. I think Pinot and, and Ruby Red would be a good blend. <laughs> you Ruby, know, um, Ruby Red Cab is making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you don't hear a lot of, um, you hear a little bit here and there of Pinot and Paso. I tasted one recently where, uh, I love Gary's face right then, when, uh, you know, Molly, Molly Lomborg, uh -huh. she and Jordy grow a little Pinot and they did like a little carbonic yep. thing to it. It was really good. Uh, what did you call it? Le Petite Soul? Uh, little, yeah, yeah, or, uh, yeah, yeah, a little soul. Yeah, little soul. Sorry if I got that wrong. No, she, yeah, she, yeah, she's great. I love her and her wines are great. Uh, but, but we buy uh, Everly buy Zinfandel from that same vineyard. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about um, any other fun things? Any fun things you would ever want to bring to the Eberly portfolio, like a carbonic or something? Uh, I did a carbonic for Eberly uh, two years ago. What was it? I think it was 2020. Yeah, back in the 70s and early 80s, I mean, doing carbonic maceration was, uh, I mean, everybody did a little bit of it. Yeah. Was it cool and trendy then? No, it was yeah. because they're lazy and didn't want to destem it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Straight. Just throw it in the fermenter. Let's yeah. do this. I love that. Uh, we got Chris Everly. We got Gary Everly. We're going to come back, wrap up with them. Uh, they will be at the California Midstay Fair with the Cork Dorks. What is your day? Do we know your Saturday. day? Saturday. Uh, this Saturday? No, next Saturday. Oh, next Saturday. No, next Saturday. Is that right? Uh, Saturday, Sunday. No, you are. You are this this coming Saturday. This Saturday. Yeah, Wednesday the fair starts tomorrow. We have Shale Oak. Then we have Hope Family Thursday, Pear Valley Friday, Eberly. I thought it was next Saturday. I hope you're not booked. We got to look into your schedule. Oh boy, Sue, if you're listening, <laughs> call me on the hotline. Yeah. I will call you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming back with Eberly Wine. It's up and Adam in the morning. Up and Adam in the morning. Thanks for being up and Adam in the morning. You're listening to The Crush, 92.5, 948. Adam Montiel in studio, Eberly Winery. Gary Eberly is here. Thanks for being up and Adam in the morning, sir. And I just love to get up early and move around, drive down the grade. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you Thank do. you, Ed, for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do it for me. That's very... Very kind. I love you for it. Also, Chris Eberly, winemaker, no relation, is here. What is up, Chris Eberly? Thanks for being here, dude. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, what is uh, what has been going on with your summer? You have little ones. You're busy with work. What is like your summer all about? Mostly work, but um, uh, we go to the water park probably at least once a week. The kids love it. Uh, my son, who's was born just after the shutdown, is like he's almost two and a half now, and he just charges the water, man. Like he'll just no fear, deep in, straight in. Luckily, he floats well. So yeah. <laughs> what is um do you, the uh, the water park? Obviously, they probably have like they got the slides, they got the kids kind of area. You kind of relegated to the smaller kids area because both your kids are pretty small. Well, my daughter is almost five, and she wow. for the first time she's just going on the bigger slides. No way. She charges the bigger slides, which is mm. great because now I can go on the big slides. Yeah, now you can go on. <laughs> yeah, now I got an excuse. Like, no, no, I'm, I don't really want to do this. I'm going mm -hmm. I have not been to Ravine. Is it really fun? Yeah, no, it's cool. Is there a lot they of adults that go? And wine and, Do they, yeah? Yeah, and, and they've got a, a miniature golf course there now. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Are there a lot of adults that are just there by themselves with no kids? 
No, I think that'd be a little creepy. Would that be weird? Because back <laughs> in the day, I grew up in Southern California, and we had Raging Waters. Yeah. And Raging Waters was like, it was like a magic mountain, but for water. So, like, you would go there, and there would be, like, couples in their 20s. There'd be, like, people, like, it was all ages. You would need kids to be there and not look weird. No, no, for sure. But, the, you know, it's a smaller park, and it's, like, yeah. definitely geared toward families. But, I mean, not that you couldn't be there without kids, but I would definitely go with, like, at least a nephew. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, funny. It's like, right. so, yeah, it is so more and more popular every year. Yeah. In fact, I think their biggest problem is is parking because yeah. Oh, for sure. Really, uh, it's become a very popular. Well, they've place. opened up parking in the in the kind of the dirt on the other side of the uh -huh. of the uh, road there, and so you walk under the bridge and there's like two entrances. So it's. Didn't Halter Ranch just buy the the neighbor, right? The uh, Eos? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eos. They also bought um, Hart Winery down in Temecula. Oh, wow. Which Jim Hart, uh, the well, mm. the son of the original owner, Joe, um, very good friends of ours. Yeah. Um, you're seeing a, a lot of wineries do some kind of real big, real big flexing on some things like that, huh, Gary? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we've gotten, you know, we learned a lot from COVID. I mean, I, I think about how my winery has changed and i mean i think for the better because we can accommodate a lot more people look at that deck look at that new tasting room. new decks and uh we've got uh, new plans yet just things to make the the, the tasting experience more memorable mm -hmm. we're going to do a lot of work this winter on the decks and uh but you know we're when i bought the property and you know i designed i never ever thought that we'd have the kind of volume of people and uh it's created a bit we've got a parking problem too do you but uh you got that big you got that big dirt area in the little area behind but it's it's it gets full it there are people that are driving you know the, the driveway down to my house yeah you go down to where those you turn on the oak where the trees are right cars all the way down there. that's crazy yeah. well it's weird because i mean i'll come and visit you or say it like on a wednesday you know, to smack down, like, no special day, not a weekend, and, like, that parking lot's full. Yeah. Pretty wild. Pretty standard. And, and when the, the cars in the parking lot are not employees. Right. Employees are not allowed to park in the parking lot. They've got to park out on the dirt. Oh, yeah. Well, Gary Eberle's going to be with us at the fair. Chris Eberle will be there as well. Uh, Cork Dork's going to be a, at the California Midstay Fair every single day beginning tomorrow. I can't even believe it. Favorite fair food, Chris Eberle. Indulgent, hedonistic uh -huh. fair food. No. No. Churros. Churros? There you yeah. go. Oh, I like the fried rice. It's one of the booths makes the best damn fried rice. Oh, so you like when they the, the it's like they'll do the big fried rice on the plate with like a kebab over it or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the Asian food. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, in a former life I was Chinese. Yeah, yeah. I, I sort of yeah, I look I look Asian in photos. Yeah. But uh, and I love that too. Um we uh um, one year no <laughs> one year um there was like a hidden menu item at Hot Dog on a Stick. And I forgot what they called it, but it was like, you know, you're familiar with Hot Dog on a Stick. They do the cheese on a yeah, stick yeah, and they yeah, do the yeah, hot dog, yeah. right? So this was like a cheese on a stick kind of opened up with a hot dog on the stick in the middle. I think it was glorious. It was just like fair food, mm -hmm. you know, Megatron, awesome. And I mentioned it on the air 
And so many people went up there and started, and it takes you a couple extra minutes. And I went back up to Hot Dog on a Stick, like, to order it, like, that next night. And they're like, like, you dumb, like, no, man, like, we had to stop doing that. So you mentioned that, and now every, like, everybody forgets you. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. takes, like, seven extra minutes, and yeah. so I, I ruined that. Can we do that, that for the Mexican pizza at Taco Bell? Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we bring that back, please? I thought they did. Did they? I thought they did, yeah. Check it out. I think they did. Yeah, straight there. yeah, right. Yeah, get on the app. Um, Chris Eberly is here. Thank you so much for taking time to come in and hang out with us. Always love to wrap with you, man. And a thank you for uh, this beautiful reserve Chardonnay. Cannot wait to open it uh, with her. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, your uh, your Roan, your Roan blend, the Roussan, Grenache Blanc, Viognier, Cote de Robles Blanc. Definitely be seeing you during the fair. Gary, thank you so much for coming in. I know. It's uh, what, what's the next at Eberly? What, what, you just did your dinner. What's on the agenda next for Eberly Winery? Uh, the next thing that I have on my palate or my plate is um, one thirty up front with a bottle of Cabernet. Okay, so that's, we're thinking short term. All right, there you well, go. The next, that's as far ahead as I can think. <laughs> Very good. Well, so the next, the next dinner, the next good dinner is the black tie, which is December sixth. Yeah. Wow, next Saturday. It's almost sold out. Oh, nice. The first Saturday of December? First Saturday of December, black tie. And this is what you do in the caves? Yes. Beautiful. And then, of course, harvest is coming. Yeah, and there's a har- we have a harvest dinner, too. And I've seen Gary go black tie. He does it with the shorts. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. No one does it like you, Gary Eberly. Thank you so much for coming in. Love you, man. And thank you, Chris, for being here. Really appreciate you both. Thank you for supporting us at the fair, too. Yeah, absolutely. The Cork and I'm, glad this, I'm glad this time I came down you put pants on. Yeah. You're up and Adam in the morning. With Adam on heel. Weekday mornings, 6 to 10 a.m. The Crush 92.5, the perfect blend.